With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Aging Younger with David and Stephanie Tippy, founders of the Anti-Aging Clinic in Water Hill, Florida, where the alternatives matter. Now here are your hosts, David and Stephanie Tippy. Hello to our listeners. Stephanie Tippy with Aging Younger Radio. I am broadcasting live from my clinic in Tamarack, Florida. David and I can be reached at 954-742-4430, and you can visit us online at agingyounger.net. I'd like to thank all of our global listeners for uh, being uh, very loyal to us, and it is because of you that uh, David and I are featured hosts here on Blog Talk Radio. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'd also like to thank Blog Talk Radio for this incredible platform so that David and I have the opportunity to share our message of health and wellness. And I have a very special guest with me this evening who will be co-hosting. And before I bring him in, I'd like to tell a story as to how he came to this radio show. Because it's important, I really believe uh, that the universe always it has its own special intelligence. And the universe always brings us together, uh, like-minded people together. In the beginning of May, I attended a week-long seminar in Miami, and I met a a beautiful soul, and her name is Michelle Roberts, the daughter of the gentleman I'm going to have co-host with me. And Michelle and I hit it off uh, very well. We became friends, and um, she mentioned that her father, who is a chiropractor and who is international, he is from Caracas, Venezuela, but he happens to be in Virginia, and that's why I was able to capture him for this evening. Um, He is a chiropractor, and he has his own institute, and he'll tell us more about that when I have him on the show. But he wrote the book, and his book is called The Evolution Solution, and that caught my attention. And this evening... Dr. Daniel Roberts will take us back to the beginning of time to show us and teach us why we became naked apes and how through new studies on evolution, we humans can recuperate our normal weight and vitality. So with all that being said, I'd like to welcome to Aging Younger Radio, Dr. Daniel Roberts. Daniel, welcome. Uh, hello, Stephanie. Glad to hear from you. I'm happy to be in, on your show, and I thank you for it. Well, I thank you. This is uh, really a pleasant uh, surprise for me because, number one, uh, I have a strong affinity for South America, and uh, one of the reasons probably I hooked, uh, connected so well with uh, Michelle, your daughter, I've traveled all throughout South America. I I've spent quite a bit of time in, in Venezuela throughout the entire country, and uh, here I have an author from Caracas on my show, so 
Thank you. But I'd like to get into the meat of your book because the evolution solution, people I've been talking to uh, about this show uh, when I told them the name of your book, and they said, wow, that's a very different name. So can you please explain to our uh, listeners this evening, Daniel, just what does the evolution solution mean? Well, it uh, it has to do with exercise and nutrition mainly. And uh, regarding exercise, the, the idea of no pain, no gain is wrong. It's very wrong. And uh, that you have to suffer to lose weight is also wrong, also very wrong. See, if the reward for exercise is pain, or if the reward for nutrition is hunger or discomfort or anxiety, well, then the method is is incorrect. In order to function, both of these have to be simple to do and very pleasant, completely, completely within our comfort zone, for always. Uh, This is the evolution solution. See... Our common pool of knowledge, that is our belief system, uh, our society's belief system, is off the track in reference to exercise and nutrition. The inexact ideas that don't work have sneaked into our collective minds and have remained there for generations, unquestioned. And this work explains why this is so and contains advice on how to recover our health using simple to follow instructions that are based on the evolution of our species. The concepts are completely different from anything ever done in these two important areas. It's not, I believe, just another self-help book. Many who have had the chance of interacting with these principles believe that it represents a scientific breakthrough of significant proportions. You know, that's totally in line with what we do here at our clinic, Aging Younger Anti-Aging Clinic. It all all boils down to lifestyle change. Just to throw out an example, and in total agreement with what you just said, Daniel, about uh, nutrition, well, diets. If people were to take the word diet and dissect the word diet, what the, the first, uh, the prefix, the first three letters of the word diet is die. So diets are a fad and diets do not work. So I, we totally agree with you. And I'd like to learn more about your solution and how you empower your patients in Venezuela because you have your own institute and you are a chiropractor and I'm sure you empower your patients with um, your solution to the evolution. And so how do you do that? Well, we, we define health first. <laughs> That's the, the, the health. I'll tell you what health isn't. Health okay, is but not, it, not the absence. Yeah, health is not the absence of noticeable signs and symptoms. It's the expected result of being in harmony with nature, with our genetic mandates, with the natural forces that molded us through 60 million years of primate evolution. And longevity can be defined simply as the expected outcome of healthy living. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. And that's, again, I go back to health. 
David and I, David is my husband, we constantly say health is a choice. And if we do want to live longer and age younger, we will take that correct choice, uh, make the correct choices to health, which will be the correct exercise and the correct nutrition. So that's a beautiful, uh, very well said about uh, how to define health. And so tell me, how will your patients and the people, my listeners, how will they attain health and, and longevity today? Can we go into a little bit of uh, depth on that? Sure. Uh, we'll become, with, with the book, what, what we do is we become skilled at using our bodies the way we did during the five million year period when we inhabited coastal areas. See, we, we interacted with the... Um, with the ocean, and we developed our neuromusculoskeletal system and our intelligence by being uh, actually mammals adapted to water. And uh, we'll be taught how to consume our ancestral food uh, so that we can reach and maintain our normal weight without stress, without pain, without suffering, and without going going hungry and at any age. And... Uh, it's a very important to, to know that we'll, we'll have to learn how to do these activities, make them easy to do, pleasant, and satisfying for the rest of our lives, actually. Uh, uh, I, I would yeah. imagine, Daniel, that you've done a lot of research uh, on, on your concept before putting this book together to come up with reasoning behind the dolphin concept of exercise, which I'd like for you to please explain. Well, okay. I, you know, I, I'd become aware of uh, research done in the 1930s by a marine biologist. He was an English guy. His name was Sir Alistair Hardy. And he came up with the idea by observing uh, marine mammals that uh, we had characteristics that only were shared with them. Not, not other, no other person or no other species, I'm sorry, uh, shared this with the... And he came up with the idea that the forebears of the Homo sapiens had been, during an important evolutionary time period, a marine mammal. Now, marine mammals are defined by biologists as those that spend most of their time in or near the ocean and who also derive most of their food from this one source. And some mammalian marine species, like the seals and the polar bears, are partially adapted to water, and some, like the dolphins, are totally adapted. So Professor Hardy's hypothesis concerning our partial marine origins was really instrumental in setting in motion in me a series of thought processes that became a major contribution to this book because it led me to discover data that fitted impeccably in the puzzle I was trying to assemble. But that wasn't all of it. I, you know, I, I spent four and a half years researching this. It, it also encouraged me to delve into the fascinating world of ages gone by. And, and by doing this, after long hours of research and reflection, an, uh, another big part of the book was born, which is a naked ape nutrition concept and the naked ape diet, which are also perceptions based on our evolutionary heritage. Now, I agree with you. Diet should be eliminated. We have to have the proper nutrition. We don't need diet. 
I, I'd like to go back. This is fascinating, Daniel, fascinating. Um, I, I know, like, uh, going back to the Marine, the concept of uh, our being um, humans uh, having partial Marine um, biology, if you will. Because I know the dolphin is so... The dolphin is so human-like. Yes, very much so. And the reason is that we had a, a shared evolutionary experience. Please. We developed the five million years. I'll, I'll go through it. Uh, okay. The human body is really an intricate anatomical and physiological model that took millions of years to evolve. Now, when I make the declaration in reference to how the dolphin concept of exercise Actually, I call it the dolphin concept of water lifting better. It wasn't meant to be an exaggerated, arrogant statement. and It's really more in tune with what I would call a humble, a humble acknowledgement of the incredible aptitude that this marvelous machine has to recuperate its anatomical structure in, in very short time and its physiological capacity if only we allow for the proper setting the natural environment that during five million years provided us with a means to refurbish our muscle system. And when we duplicate our original surroundings, we permit the body to act in the natural, mechanical manner it was meant to act. By, you know, this isn't, this isn't some kind of wild theory with a catchy name that no, I decided no, no. to, come, I'm, I'm, to, to, I'm, to come up with. I'm liking yeah. what I'm hearing, and I'm sure my... Yeah, I know, but... The, but a lot of books, they, have the, they come up with a wild theory and a catchy name. This really isn't that. By providing a natural setting for innate movements, I'm tapping into the, the very essence of the human condition, really, by merely playing a role of a facilitator, calling the attention to natural laws. But, you know, so natural what, laws what, of physics. Daniel, I'm, I'm curious. Tell us, tell us, what are some of the movements uh, well, okay, look, as as soon as you put on a flotation belt and then jump into a pool, in that instant you become a mammal adapted to water automatically because okay. all, we need, all we need that we don't have is the ability to float without effort with our heads out of water. We have a breathing problem in water. Okay. So as soon as you put on uh, a flotation belt and jump in, you are a mammal adapted to water. So, you know, our collective ego tells us that, that we are a very knowledgeable about the human body. Now, that's our ego talking. Yet we have to admit there's a lot we don't know. So we investigate. But how about all the things we don't know that we don't know? How do we deal with that? Well, evolution has worked it out. We don't need to know all the details. We just need to follow instructions. Like we don't need to know how the internal combustion engine of a car works in order to drive it. We only need to know what fuel it uses and where to drive it. And this is what we have to do. We have to know what fuel we, we use and what and where to, drive, where to drive this body of ours so that it can interact. And we're in a period of transition. We are partially adapted to water and partially adapted to land. We spent 55 million years in trees, 5 million years 
in coastal areas, and only recently have we beginning to return to land. So we're in this interim phase right now between being a partial marine mammal and a land animal. And uh, we have to interact in both for our musculoskeletal thing. All these problems with articulations that we have, it's because of gravity weighing down on us day in and day out. When we get submerged in water for a couple hours a week, man, that creates an incredible rejuvenating experience for all these articulations to be able to float freely and and, uh, get toned up again. It's it's very simple. It's a, yes, I agree with you. As a chiropractor, in, do you have a pool for therapeutic uh, in your institute in Caracas? No, this, this book and all of this it has nothing to do with the institute. This is a, these are reflections of mine about how we have to do exercise for the whole population. This is a need that, that everybody has. No, I agree. I understand that, but I was just curious as if whether or not you institute this within your institute. No, no, uh, we, because a pool is, is quite a process. Uh, this has to be done somewhere else. What I try to, I just have to give the book to the patients, let them figure out where to, where to go and how to do it. This is this will teach you how to do it. And do you find that your patients are receptive to reading? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not all have access to pools, but... A a lot of people are very lazy, and they don't like Mm -hmm. it. And that's why we have the problem of obesity today uh, here in the United States and uh, over in South America, too. I mean, we'll get into the nutrition aspect because it's the poor combination of food. But, Daniel, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back, so don't go away. I know you have a lot more to share. So I'm asking my listeners to please stay with us. You're listening to Stephanie Tippy and Aging Younger Radio, and we shall be right back. Look your best safely without surgery. We offer non-surgical facelift treatments complete with professional skincare products utilizing magical copper. The anti-aging clinic shows you weight management and body contouring, all safe and non-invasive. Turn back the hands of time with Growth Factor Spray. Antioxidants are our first line of defense against aging. Our professionals can scientifically verify if your vitamins are working with new laser technology. Get your score by calling today. Get that right, Daniel? Yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And we were talking about uh, if we were to get into a pool or a bit, uh, a bit of water or the ocean with a flotation device, we, that would be one form of exercise that would help us tremendously without any right. pain. Without pain. And, and not okay. only that, the, when, when you're in submerged in water, where do dolphins get their extraordinary, their extraordinary strength that they can jump over a ship even? They, they, they get it only from pushing against water. So we know that the, the ex, uh, any exercise, in order for it, to be, uh, for it to be workable, has to stress the muscle a, a bit. And uh, we know that the uh, weightlifting type of things is what, stre- what does the best. But when an instructor tells a class, say, okay, do this one 28 times and that one 42 and this one 36, where, is, where does he get these numbers? He just gets them out of the air, I guess. I, I don't know. Because it's our, it's our brain that's going to tell us in water. There's a primeval memory there that tells us instinctually how much force we have to apply and how many times we can do it without causing stress or discomfort. And... Um, this is all done by the brain. We're just stimulating the primeval memory that's already there. For instance, we know, definitely we know, that we were marine mammals. We uh, have so many, so many uh, physiological and anatomical things that are, that are, that, that have to do with this. See, I, I can see how an intelligent, knowledgeable person might legit, legitimately question the amount of time our ancestors spent in an ocean environment and where this exactly took place or even to the degree that we were affected by the changes in our bodies. But I, I can see where there might be reasonable differences of opinion as to these details. But, but here, the obvious anatomical transformations that our bodies exhibit, there are only shared with other marine mammals cannot be explained by any other means than as a result of having spent an important evolutionary time in a water setting. Like, okay, the, the visible uh, physical changes like subdermal fat deposits we have and, and, and other uh, primates do not have, our loss of functional hair because we were in the water, that's where we lost it, the stress-related salty tears is from the ocean. Uh, interesting. The that larynx, I that I, that's interesting. Very interesting. The uh, descended larynx, uh, which uh, permits us to talk. For instance, the chimpanzee that we share the 99% DNA, which is amazing, you know. Uh, they have a, an area in the brain that's called the Broca area, the same as we have. That's where our speech conforms. But they could never talk because their larynx is up up on top. They cannot do that. Ours is descended. And uh, the reason we can talk and breathe through our mouth and, and hold our breath is because the uh, evolution called for us to, to do that. Now, Going these are to... so apparent. These, so, these things are so, these, these uh, things are so apparent. But there's a lot of others. The big brain... The, the, with its internal and visible the metabolic changes. We have diving regulatory mechanisms. 
We have thermal regulation and specific speech patterns that aren't evident, you know, to the naked eye, but they exist. Our intelligence. And to this package, we have to add nutrition for the big brain didn't get that way without metabolic help. So all of these things, like our sebaceous glands are massive, massive sebaceous glands, which are there to protect their skin from water. So make it a very impermeable because we've spent many, many hours daily when we're in that period of evolution. And then today, to top it off, we have the incontrovertible DNA evidence that proves that this is amazing. It always amazed me when I was researching this, that all of us living today descend from one group of about 2,000 that survived in the islands. This is, this is fascinating. The book will deal with all of this. It will teach us, without trying to get too boring as to different periods of evolution, I don't do any of that. What we get into is what happened to us. And oh, it's very, how very... our bodies responded. And, so what uh, about people, what about people who uh, have a fear of water and who just can't swim? Well, you don't have to swim. And you should have no fear of water because you have a belt on you. And if the, you're really scared, well, then put on a, a life vest. Because you know. I know there are a lot of people who do have a fear of water. I don't. I grew up, uh, uh, my parents used to take us to the beach all the time. I was uh, an ocean fanatic as a little girl. Mm-hmm. Now I, I sh- Well, no longer I shy away because of the sun. I, you know, too much sun is not that good for you either. But um, uh, I, it makes perfect sense. So now, what about, can we go into the naked ape nutrition? Well, well, that's sure. interesting in itself. What did the apes eat, and, and what are we not eating? Yeah, well, we, we are, see, for 50, wait a minute, we have 60 million years of primate evolution. For 55 million years, what did we eat? See, in order to find out what we need to eat, all we have to know is what we ate in the distant past, you know? It's very simple. To know what we eat, uh, what we have to eat, well, that's, that's what it is. We look up and we were in, we ate fruit, mainly fruit, leaves, birds, eggs, that's what we ate. Uh, seeds, legumes, that's, that's what we ate. See, in 1967, there was a zoologist named Desmond Morris. I don't know, you may have read his book. He called it the Naked Ape. And uh, he coined the, the name Naked Ape because that's what a zoologist does when they see a, a new species for the first time. Like if you'd see a parrot with a red beak, that would be the name, the red-beaked parrot. So if he would, a zoologist, if he would happen to see a Homo sapiens for the first time, he would say, well, that's uh, what's the most interesting feature of this primate? Hey, he has no hair. So he called it the naked ape. Interesting. But why the naked ape was naked in the first place, that's, that's, that was a problem they never answered. We know now why, because he developed in the ocean in the last five million years. So the, the the naked ape nutrition, well, that's basically it, too. We go back to where we came from. 
What what has happened today? You were talking about. Uh, first of all, I, okay. I believe it's a healthy scientific habit to continually question our information. So we have to ask questions. We have to ask ourselves, like, if the science of nutrition is sufficiently advanced to provide the proper guidelines. If so, why are over 60% of the population of the United States overweight or obese? And and the same thing is happening in, in other countries. Why do our common Darwinian cousins, do they overeat? No. Why do gorillas and chimpanzees? Uh, orangutans and such remain muscular. It, it, it's the diet. It, it's the processed mm-hmm. foods. It's it, it, it's all the, right. It's all You're the right. It's all the garbage that's being promoted, and it goes back to and it's a shame. It's all about big business, big industry. Okay. Well, well, well. The answer, the answer. I'm pretty sure you're going to agree when you hear it. Uh, what's what the problem is? See, uh, all diets require an incredible amount of willpower to stay on. People suffer tremendously doing this. So we have to, why should eating have to be an unpleasant experience? Why should there be a need for dieting? Well, the, the, the reason is, is simple. See, as I pointed out, in regards to exercise, the reward for a normal biological function cannot be distress or pain. And eating is also a primary normal biological function. It should not be accompanied by distress or pain either. See, our bodies let us know when we're sleepy and when we've slept enough, when we're tired and when we have rested enough, when we are cold or hot and when we have reached the normal range. When we are thirsty, you know, and when we drink enough, uh, when light's too bright or sound is too loud, when something smells bad or good, our bodies tell us when we are sexually aroused and when we are fulfilled, when we need to relieve ourselves and once the process is complete. It lets us know when sounds are pleasant or unpleasant, when touch is gratifying or it's uh, disagreeable. When something tastes good or bad, the body tells us. It warns us through smell if the food we're about to eat is decayed. And if we happen to swallow it, it will provoke vomiting. It tells us when we are hungry. So why doesn't it tell us when we have eaten enough? You know, this is a question. We always have to begin with questions. Why is safety or fulfillment the opposite of hunger? not triggered correctly like the rest of these other biological responses? That's, well, that, that's, the, that's the question that must be answered. Let me ask you this. Do you believe it has to do with the hypothalamus and the satiety and the, uh, whether or not uh, the, the feeling of being uh, satisfied and full and the satiety yes, index? You're exactly right. Satiety is the key. Mm-hmm. See, our, our nutrition should not derive into cardiovascular problems, diabetes, and other conditions. It should not destroy the articulations. It should not shorten our lives. In relation to consuming foodstuffs, there should be no related stress when there is abundance. The evolutionary memory should make only scarcities produce stress. 
which of course it does by triggering hunger sensations. That part works well. What doesn't work well in modern society is its counterpart. It's the satiety mechanism that's out of kilter. And this is where we should concentrate our attention. The key lies in discovering, really, what set of circumstances, what food items will produce satisfaction, be agreeable, and at the same time provide us with the proper nutrients to function optimally. So again, we have to ask questions. Does this mean we have to go to the scientific laboratories of our top universities, pour billions of dollars into research and find out what triggers satiety in the naked ape? Do we have to search all the, you know, the biological trees, like the nooks and crannies of our bodies, and submerge ourselves like in the field of molecular biology in the hope of finding some miraculous clue? Do we have to become nutrition scientists or know the content of every gram of foodstuff and then analyze it to see if we... This, this is ridiculous. And we, that we have to know the content of thousands of foodstuffs? Do we have to memorize the preparation of a, of a zillion recipes? No, that wouldn't work. We're searching in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And uh, all we have to do is remember that evolution works by what we call or what Elaine Morgan calls uh, patchworks means. See, we're a companion of what we were before. We are today the, the, the product of our environment, or, or rather, that's not true. It's rather, what it, uh, what it forced us to do in response to environmental changes. We are today the like the biological machines we became as a result of all that went on before. So if we want to find out what fuel this machine runs best on, if we want to find out what we should eat, all we have to do is look at what we did eat in the past. So I propose that we we question dietary actions because they don't work, and we substitute the basis now used for proper nutrition to be founded upon actually the naked ape's past history. And instead of Stephanie, instead of trying to to piece together all the contradictory knowledge we have acquired from all our scientific data and trying to guess and dictate how we should eat, what the proper fuel should be, why don't we just go backwards and define how we did eat? How did we survive? What did we eat? Obviously, that was the appropriate source of fuel our bodies were built around, the source of fuel that, you know, successfully brought us to where we are today. And it's what I call our zoo food. I love it. No, and it makes perfect sense. And and that's what we do here at the at our clinic with our clients. We have a weight management program. It's not a diet program. It's a weight management program, and we teach people how to eat and what and the proper food combinations. And and like you said, it, that's why I asked you. Well, what did the apes consume? Because that's basically what we instruct our clients to do is to go back and eat all the healthy things. For example. 
in the morning. Have you you coming from Venezuela? You know, from the high altitude plain in Bolivia comes quinoa. Quinoa is an amino acid. It looks like a little grain, but it really it, it comes from the uh, it's like from the spinach family, and it, it it's one of the healthiest foods. That combined with berries and honey in the morning is one of the most the healthiest breakfasts that you can eat, and and it it sustains, it satiates. You're you're not hungry for hours. It's fantastic, right? You're absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You take, uh, see, the, the, this book came about asking questions. <laughs> and uh, one time I was talking to my son, Mark, and I said, you know, Mark, there are 100, besides us, there are 192 primate species in the world. If we were to place them in a zoo, we would naturally want to duplicate their environment and uh, provide the foodstuffs that that environment produced because we know that the farther we stray from those precepts, the less unhealthy these animals are going to be. Now, if that's true for them and for all the rest of the animals, why would it not hold true for us? It's silly. It's so simple. It's staring us right in the face. So, Daniel, we have you to have... eat our food. Yeah, Daniel, We're the how... only species that has to change. Look, the color of our food, the temperature of our food, the appearance of our food, the uh, taste of our food, the smell of our food... And I think I'm missing one there. Why do we have to change this? Very simple, because we don't like it. Why don't we like it? Because it's not our genetically ordained food. A cat won't eat a carrot. But if you take that carrot and and learn what things will trigger satiety in his little brain and disguise that carrot and he thinks it's a piece of fish, he'll eat it. Mm -hmm. But that's not his best food. He'll eat it. But it's because you changed it, you modified it, you tricked his brain into accepting that. What happens to us when we eat all this modern junk that we eat? What happens to us is very simple. Our brain doesn't recognize that as our biological food. So it doesn't send the order for the satiety mechanism to go into effect. But the things that we do eat that we uh, is our genetically ordained diet will trigger the satiety mechanism. Uh, it's, it's it's so simple that it's... It's so simple that people don't believe it. Daniel, how can people uh, get your book? Um, I, I know it's published and out on the market in Spanish and soon to be published in English, right? Well, the English part that's soon to be published is a hope because uh, I haven't dealt with that problem. Um, actually, there's somebody in the audience listening that that has an agent friend or something that would like to uh, to try to get this book published in English, I would be very appreciative, and maybe they could contact you even, and, and you could do me that favor. It is in it is in uh, Spanish, the La Solución Evolutiva. I wrote it in in both languages, and it was <laughs> a nightmare because every time I would translate it, I'd say I'd say, hey, this sounds better like this, and then I'd have to go back to the other language and translate it back, and it kept going back and forth, and it was a mess. I won't do that again. How long but anyway, it, it is available in Spanish. Uh, I am hopeful that somebody may be on this trip. Amazingly, I, I looked up in Miami, 
and there are no literary agents in Miami. Not one. Well, I, when, we're, we're going to speak offline, and uh, I, I can um, I can give you um, I can uh, put you in contact with people that I, I know in the industry that might be able to help you. Uh, because it's a, it's a great book. It, it makes sense. And this is a book that should be uh, in the hands of anybody who is in the field of nutrition to help guide their clients and or patients. And uh, it, it's like David and I, when we, um, when we work and, and do consultations with our clients, it, it's Primarily, everything that you're talking about. Do we go into the detail about the evolution and 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 how we're uh, half uh, partial marine animal and partial land animal? No, but our knowledge and our research has led us to the right types of exercise and the right types of foods, and try to and impart this knowledge to our clients, and it works. So that being said, where can though I do have a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking people who listen to the show, uh, where can they? Is this on Amazon? The book? No, it, uh, it's available in Venezuela, but you can. Uh, uh, I can be contacted at theevolutionsolution at gmail dot com. The evolution solution at gmail dot com. Okay, yeah. and you have a web page. I'm going to give out. I have it here, in case people want to talk to you. You know, go direct to your web page, which is institutoroberts.com. dot com. So that's i n s t i t u t o r o b e r t s dot com. And I I believe, like I said, this is a book that. Uh, I hope you have much success in having this in the hands of other chiropractors here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's, it's a book for the public. It's, it's, it's geared at the level for the, the, the anybody to read. Uh, it's not geared for, for the health professional. It's geared right at the person. Understood, but the chiropractor could then, through your words, can explain. Like, a lot of people have difficulty, even though they say that they're nutritionists, that they can guide and coach their health coaches, a lot of people have difficulty in imparting their knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, but you know, I'm fascinated by this, Daniel. Can I? Ask, I want to ask you another question, please. I, I want. I love. Ma- I love the marine animals, and I think the dolphins are just such beautiful, beautiful uh, mammals. And, and I'd like. Can, can you just go into it? How our bodies respond, like dolphins? Okay. Um, let me see. I was. How can I best best do this? You know, I was... It's interesting, really, to watch dolphins swim and uh, how they can leap many feet into the air, out of the water. And uh, 
I've always wondered how, how did he get such incredible strength? And their their mighty power is, is derived only from interacting with the opposing force of water. See, this is the key: the opposing force of water that the dolphins and us will use to strengthen our 400 muscles. Only in water can we do this. Only in water can we strengthen our 400 muscles. See, when the dolphin, uh, the, the, the human bone structure, is being mammalian, is quite similar to the dolphin. We have the ba- same basic equipment, our legs and feet substituting for the tail fin. Mm-hmm. The skeleton of our shoulders, our arms, and hands is fundam- you know, fundamentally the same. And like all mammalian vertebrates, we have similar anatomical composition of the spinal column, except for the pelvis. It's a little different. The so dolphin's how tail fin. Vertebrate, how many vertebrae yeah, does How many vertebrae? Same? same? The same. Yep, the same. The same vertebrae. Uh, the dolphin's tail fin is unlike that of fish in that it is horizontal instead of vertical. This permits them to push themselves through water by arcing upward, forward, and backward. When we draw our legs together and extend our feet, we get a similar effect. Now, this movement is very important to them and to us because it strengthens the muscles of the neck, the upper and lower torso, and the lower extremities all at once. You know, I, I was watching my, my grandchildren swim and uh, when I was writing this book and being aware of all this. Every Sunday I had the chance of, of watching them swim in a pool along with many other little kids. And although they've been taking lessons during the week to learn how to swim like Tarzan, you know, like crawl, mm-hmm. they all returned to dolphin-like movements when left alone and playing. They will hold their breath go under, move a few strokes, come up for air, you know, go, go through it again, hold their breath, go under, move a few strokes, come up for air again, hold their breath, and so on. And they repeat this process over and over, even when covering relative long distances, like crossing the pool. Now, this is exactly the way dolphins swim. It's called porpoising. And the, the first time I saw... Christian, the, my firstborn grandson, do porpoising, and later on his younger brother do the same thing. I thought that his mom and dad were wasting their money on classes. And this is because I've been conditioned by culture and watching sporting events to believe that swimming like Tarzan is normal. But when the word swim comes up in a conversation or in print, that's what we think of. But when you watch little kids in a pool... No, their instinctive way is quite different. They swim by dunking, like the dolphin does. And if left to their own devices, which they were millions of years ago, when there were no swimming instructors and they spent most of the time in water, that's how, that's how they swam, as would the free drivers, the divers do today. Very interesting. I've, I've you know, never... the, the free divers of Stephanie are, are amazing. Today's abnake divers can spend, they, they get, you know, they do this as training, but they, they stick their head in the water. They hold on to the side of a pool and stick their head in the water. They can do this for eight minutes. Isn't that amazing? 
That is amazing. Eight minutes and the work. only way that that can happen is that it's a natural talent possessed by the species. Otherwise, this couldn't happen. Eight minutes. How how long can you personally stay underwater? Have you tried? Oh, no, I don't. I don't do that. That that's a make. Uh, I was just citing that as a as a example of our marine origins. So we are we carry our previous evolutionary baggage. We're still arboreal apes if we want to become, a, a, I don't know, a, one of these trapeze artists or something. We have the equipment because we had it before, and, and uh, we still carry it. We are semi-land apes and semi-aquatic apes. We're still the product of three environments, the trees, the land, and the sea. And at the present time, we're semi-adapted to all three. We haven't been completely weaned from our water experience. We still need to maintain our connection. So in order to recover our full neuromusculoskeletal system, and in view of the fact that we're still semi-aquatic apes, it makes sense to engage in a partial return just for a few hours a week. I mean, we don't have to go live in the ocean. I mean, we can for a few hours a week or a couple hours, that should do it. Nice. Very, very nice. It's going to make me want to go into the pool now. Yep. You know, it's amazing. When you put a flotation belt on, it's just an old ski belt, you know? That's how I discovered this. I had a boat. I put on a ski belt to fix a propeller. The the rope had tied up in it, and I got in the ocean, and, and it kept my head out of water because you're not floating on your back. I mean, you're floating upright. So you're completely adapted to water because you solve your breathing problem. You don't have to do any movements. You can look up at the sky, enjoy anything you want to. You just stand there, and you can start moving and doing. Your brain will tell you what to do because you're invoking primeval evolutionary memory. It's, it's amazing. It's just innate movements. The brain knows what to do. It says, hey, I'm back into my environment. Where have I been all this time? And uh, this is how we fight the gravity-produced stresses on our bodies. We need a couple hours a week of doing that. It's also like treading water. It it comes natural. It comes natural. It comes natural. Daniel, did you hear the story? I think it was this week. It was on the news. There was a couple. They they became stranded, God, 17-plus hours in the water. Just uh, uh, treading water on their or on their back, and they it was people were amazed that they were found alive. Yes, and that that their skin would withstand that. Well, because we have sebaceous glands. We have something like two thousand sebaceous glands per square centimeter of our skin. This is what produces the oil that protects our skin against water. The chimpanzees don't have that. You take a chimpanzee. And you throw him into a pool, and he'll sink to the bottom like a rock. He can't get over to the side. Because we had the common ancestor, and what differentiated us is that we got shoved to the ocean, and they remained in pockets of, of, of their trees where they had been for all, their, all those years. And that's what differentiates us. 
So the uh, the chimpanzee has no sebaceous glands. Uh, no, very little. No, he can't. And not only that, he he can't though he can't talk. He can't hold his breath, and he sinks like a rock. If you throw him in the pool, he's at it. He cannot get over to the side. It's, so the, it's such I, a shame, really. To, I to guess the same would uh-huh. hold true for monkeys as well. Then, right? I think so. There, now there's a there's one monkey I think is the bonobo that lived in a watery environment and and he's more or less okay. Uh, but all the rest of them, they they can't swim. No, they're in deep trouble. I'm I'm learning a lot this evening uh, as having you on the show, and I thank you for that. And I know my listeners are also uh, learning quite a bit about the evolution and the evolution solution by Dr. Daniel Roberts. Uh, it can be uh, purchased in Venezuela, but you can also go and uh, you can touch bases and get in touch with Dr. Roberts uh, directly. And your your e- your email again, Daniel. The evolution solution. At gmail.com. So uh, you know what you need to do? You need to set up a, uh, a Gmail's Google. You need to set up a, a Google Plus bit, uh, page for the book. You're right. You're right. Do, I need do to that. do all those things. Yeah, well, uh, we'll get Michelle to help you. Michelle, okay. I know you're, you're going to love this. <laughs> so... Anyway, um, we have about six minutes left to the show, and I would like this to be free form, and I would like you to say whatever you would like, Daniel, about the evolution solution, about health, uh, and, and how you can impart to our listeners out there the importance of losing the weight and becoming healthy because that is our number one mission here at our clinic. Okay, uh, let's talk about a little bit about, well, about dieting. Uh, the, The reason people suffer during dieting is because they're trying to reduce by willpower and other tricks the food intake that their appetizers are stimulating. Uh, uh, But but every time they eat, the reverse occurs because the body doesn't have the ability to recognize that they have eaten. So what happens is that they unlock their appetites and this entices them to eat more and making it a no-win situation. And they can only rely on a stomach fullness, which is a secondary satiety device that kicks in when they can no longer eat because the physical space, you know, has been occupied. Very young children can be satisfied that way through that mechanism of the, you know, fullness. But older children and adults cannot rely on the secondary device because... With the consumption of large amounts of high-caloric concentrated modern foodstuffs, as the person gets bigger and bigger, his stomach will grow larger and larger to accommodate for more and more food in a never-ending upward spiral. And when we do feel satisfied, 
by filling up physically, we will have taken in much more caloric fuel than our bodies can use. So later on, it must turn it into fat for storage in our special cells called the lipid capturing cells. And this is because our modern food is super concentrated, having infinitely more caloric content for mass, mass volume than our genetically mandated food. And, uh, this, and, not ha- this doesn't happen with fruit, for instance, because the mass volume provides a contented feeling and contains huge quantities of juicy water. You know, like a watermelon has 99% water, and uh, most fruits have 70, 80, 90% of, of water. Yes. And it yes. remains in the intestines for a longer time also than plain water because the body must first extract its nutrients. So somewhat like the panda bear, we have been genetically programmed to eat huge amounts of mass weight of fruit and leaves, and fruit and leaves, and to, to feel satisfied. When we change their sources, we still maintain this mandate, and we still want large quantities of food, resulting in an oversupply of extra calories because our sources are incorrect. We've got to go back to our sources, to our zoo food. If a Martian came here and said, okay, what did these guys eat for 60 million years? Well, they ate fruit, leaves, legumes, and everything from the ocean, and uh, eggs and birds, okay? All the good stuff. All the good stuff. Eggs and birds is part of our normal diet. And so then the Martian would say, well, how come they're eating all this other stuff? Well, we don't know. It looks good. They have found different substances that changes the the thing and makes them want more. And uh, this is done by the companies that sell us our food, for, for uh, of course. They want to provide us with this stuff that stimulates our brain to want more and more and more. And, that, and it works. We want and, more and, and more and more. And then there's also the factor, Daniel, there are those who are stress eaters for comfort. That that's another yeah. whole that's another whole issue uh, to uh, another whole topic of discussion, and that's where uh, we I believe that the body mind spirit connection comes into play in uh, total overall health because if we are not. Uh, happy with ourselves uh, on a, a mental uh, an emotional level if we don't know how to love ourselves then we're going to spiral downward by going down the road of the comfort foods which are the you know the high caloric carbohydrate type of foods that will put on the extra pounds and the extra caloric intake as you so aptly put it and then the fat uh, reserves it starts building up and that's when you start seeing the diabetes the, the the high uh, cholesterol, the triglycerides, the atherosclerosis, and the whole host of metabolic syndrome type of illnesses start to pop up. Very true. Very well said, Stephanie. That's another whole uh, uh, topic. So you know what, Daniel? We're down to 90 seconds, so there's really not too much time left. But I'd like to invite you back to the show. Even when you're in Caracas, you're going to come in and call in, and we're going to, and we're going to vlog some more, and we're going to share some more because you are a delightful guest. 
with me as a co-host, and I, I tremendously enjoyed you, so I thank you. And on behalf of my listeners, I thank you. And um, that being said, uh, again, give out your email one more time before uh, we say goodbye. TheEvolutionSolution at gmail.com. Thank you, Daniel. Dr. Daniel uh, Roberts, The Evolution Solution, The Naked Ape Diet, and The Dolphin Concept of Exercise. And again, it can be obtained as we speak in Venezuela in the Spanish edition. We are running out of time. I want to thank all of my listeners for being here with us again. Uh, We will be back on the air next week, same time, same place. And until such time, have a healthy, aging, younger day. You've been listening to Aging Younger with David and Stephanie Tippy. You've just heard that alternatives to the sickness industry are alive and well, helping you to age younger. The Anti-Aging Clinic is located at 7200 West Commercial Boulevard in Lauder Hill, Florida. You can reach David and Stephanie at 954-742-4430. That phone number again is 954-742-4430. And you can learn more about them on their website, LiveLonger123.com. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 1 o'clock for Aging Younger on 1040 WLVJ. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.